During the 2001 NBA playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers ran the gauntlet of their recent rivals, the Pippen and Rashid Blazers, the D. Watson Weber Kings, and the Tim Duncan and David Robinson Spurs. And the Lakers smashed them all. They flattened them. 4-0-4-0-4-0. Three straight sweeps. An undefeated playoff run. And why? Because Shaquille O'Neal was at his monster peak. And Kobe gracefully decided to embrace his role as number two. And that, my friends, is hell on earth. I will go to my grave knowing the 2001 Lakers can be any team that's ever existed in a seven-game series full stop. But on June 6, 2001, those Lakers had to play Allen Iverson and his Philadelphia 76ers. After missing four of his first five shots, Iverson went ballistic, scoring 30 in the first half, putting Philly up six. Iverson starts the second by tossing an alley-oop to Jermaine Jones then making his next four shots in a row. With 522 left in the third and the Sixers up 15, Bill Jackson subs in a third-year guard from the University of Nebraska, Teron Liu. One minute later, Lou gets his first steal. Two minutes later, he gets a second. Lou gives the ball to Shaq on offense immediately and frequently, and the Lakers come back. Now Ty Lue is all gassed up, and he's digging in on defense and denying AI the ball. Just watch Lou, the quickness he has been attached to Allen Iverson since he has come in the game, will not let him get the ball. One minute into the fourth, Lou gets his third steal. Four minutes into the fourth, Lou denies Iverson and gets his fourth steal and a layup. And on the very next play after that, Lou denies Iverson again and gets his fifth steal. Teron Lou has been all over Allen Iverson. The game goes to overtime, and so does Teron Lou. Iverson will be dreaming about Teron Lou tonight. Iverson eventually draws a foul on Lou. He makes both free throws, and seeing the ball go through the hoop is the beginning of the end. With 118 left and the Lakers up one, AI hits a three, giving Philly the two-point lead. And after one last Laker turnover, the Sixers give the ball back to Allen Iverson with 55 seconds left. Game one of the finals hanging in the balance, and Teron Lou defending. Iverson, bothered by Lou. Iverson. The Lakers winning streak over. The Lakers undefeated playoffs over. David Slade Goliath. This is the singular moment that gave birth to this podcast. As a Laker fan, I'll never forgive you, Allen Iverson. As the host of this show, thanks, Chuck. Welcome to First Battle. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports we actually care about and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother. It goes pow, then me, then Mark, and Adria's the baby, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal oversized desk chair. Iverson over Lou, the step over, is an all-time great sports moment, but is it First Ballot Hall of Fame worthy? There's only one way to find out. We must go through our Hall of Fame credentials and make a decision. And here to do that with me is the co-host and one of the best podcasts of, dare I say, all time, Doughboys. He has another great podcast called Get Played. He's been a TV writer and producer for a decade, including at Comedy Bang Bang, At Midnight, Sarah Silverman's I Love You America, and Disney's Earth to Ned. It's the burger boy himself. Nick Weiger. Nick, thanks so much for being on the show. Wow. Neil, that what an intro. Thank you so much. Nick, are you prepared to take this process seriously? Oh, of course. This yeah, is, this, this is this, no, 100%. I'm not bringing you on here to, to fuck around and do all your little comedy jokes. This is serious. This is a Hall of Fame entry we're discussing, and I want you to treat this seriously. I I don't deal in comedy jokes, as you know if you've listened to my podcast. <laughs> uh, so I'm here to be I'll, – I'll be serious. Look, I earnestly debate – uh, which fast food restaurant has the best fries? So I will absolutely <laughs> give my true. all. Who am I when talking, we're talking to? about sports? You're exactly yeah. right. Who am I talking to? I'm sorry. That's a deep insult. Of course, you you talk about even you take even dumber things seriously. 
Yes. Um, I talk about child's food and video games. <laughs> That's <laughs> do I don't think we need to talk about Doughboys, do we? We don't really need to discuss Doughboys. People know Doughboys. If you don't know Doughboys, you should be listening to Doughboys. I don't even really feel the need to discuss the God concept other than to say it's truly gr- capital G great and you should you should give it a try. And my guess is if you do give it a try, you will become an avid listener. There's nothing else to talk about with Doughboys, right? Um, I mean, I disagree with you on all counts, but uh, yeah, beyond that, no, we're good. Yeah, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I do, I do mean to recognize um, I, that I think you're great at, at at this medium. I think you're you're really great at. Do God do please you. tell me a Thank bit you. about Get Played. Uh, I know it's about video games. Uh, please ma- walk me through what Get Played is. It's me and uh, Heather Ann Campbell, Matt Apodaca, three of us. We uh, Triforce of Friendship. We talk about video games every week. And sometimes it'll be a game of the week. Sometimes it'll be something legendarily bad. Sometimes it'll be something fantastic. Like we just did an episode about Elden Ring, the recent From Software game that's a uh, stone-cold masterpiece. So, yeah, it's just, just three people talking about video games. That's some nerd three, shit. Three yeah. adults with a Yeah, three adults with a very nerdy hobby. I was just going to say that whatever game it is that you mentioned there at the end, that's some some deep nerd shit for a, a show about sports and sports moments. So everyone that's listening <laughs> can just uh, just dismiss what he said. Uh, no, uh, you and you started your career in video games. Is that not correct? Yeah, I worked in the video game industry for most of my twenties, and then I moved on to I you know, I don't know, maybe maybe should have. There, there are times when I'm like, ah, maybe I should have stayed in the, the gaming industry. But, um, but part of why I left, uh, it, it, first, first off, the labor conditions are horrible in the video game industry. Mm. There's really, really low pay, and you know, no, no labor organization, and the, these products are making money hands o- hand over fist. And but you know, developers just worked uh, nose to the grindstone and and very poorly compensated as a result. So that was part of what let me made me leave. But the other thing is, I was just like, ah, I, I don't know. I always wanted to write for TV and see if I could do that. And I kind of could. So I, I, I went that route for a little bit. No, very successful television career as well. You're a man of many hats. And then into podcasting, I want to talk about your podcast career. We're going to do it a little bit later, but I think it's fascinating and I have a ton of questions. We'll get to those soon. Before we get started, though, table set for me. What's your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete? This is perfect for me because we are talking about my favorite sport and my favorite team and one of my favorite athletes today, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, the NBA, and Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. I, I, I just I love Shaq. I think he's uh, he's was was amazing to watch. I watched him in his prime. I uh, watched him uh, take the Lakers to to three championships and and four finals in his prime, and and it was just really. Really, just a just an absolute monster of an athlete, just just such a dominant force. So, yeah, that that's where I'd say. I as far as favorite athlete of all time, I don't know. I have I have a lot of even though it, it was kind of I w- I was very young, mm. uh, but you know, Magic Johnson for yes. me was yep. like informed a yep. big part of my sports identity. 100%. He was part of why I glommed onto the Lakers yep. and and the NBA yep. and basketball. You know, it's just so much charisma and so fun to watch play. And yeah, so so Magic is definitely up there. Not in front office, maybe not a strong suit, but <laughs> fantastic player. Fantastic player, one of the best. Yeah, he. Um, yeah. Uh, Magic Johnson is my favorite player. He's meant the most to me in terms of my fandom. I feel like my love of Magic Johnson and the way he plays has affected my life the most. But my favorite player to watch was Shaq because it was just pure unbridled dominance. And that was just for a guy that is really only happy if the Lakers are winning by 40. Having Shaquille O'Neal on your team is phenomenal. It's like truly <laughs> the only thing that makes me feel like I can fall asleep at night because I go, if that guy's got two feet in the paint, he's dunking the basketball and we're taking the lead. Like he's just, he was so much fun to watch. Yeah, absolute force of nature. And also, you know, not, not a not a big plotting oaf. No. Uh, very agile, Completely. deft passer. Deft just passer. A, a total athlete who just happened to be gigantic. Yes, I, I I couldn't agree more. I've I've always said 
you will see another Michael Jordan before you see another Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal is For just sure. a, a total outlier. Um, yeah. You, you, born and bred Angelino, correct? Yeah, well, like, L.A. County, you know, it, it's someone who actually lived within the city limits would would take issue with call, me calling myself a lifelong Angelino. But I, right. but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've lived in L.A. County my entire life except for one crazy summer in San Diego, and uh, and I've uh, I, I grew up in the Long Beach area, Lakewood, California, is my hometown. Is there is there are any of the other L.A. area teams or or any team anywhere have they have any other teams? your fandom of those teams ever competed with your support of the Lakers? It was always Lakers, but the Rams I was a fan of before they moved to St. Louis. And I was upset when they moved to St. Louis and actually did not have an NFL team from that point onward, really. I never, I I never glommed onto the lake or to the Raiders or anything. I just, I just was like, I don't have a team. Uh, And eventually stopped watching the, the league entirely. But but yeah, I, I really like the LA Rams. I remember them just, it's, it's, I wish I, I still like them as much because I could have really had a blast with them winning the Super Bowl, but it didn't really have the same meaning for me that, that it, it at once would have. Uh, and, uh, I, I never really followed baseball to be honest. So it was really just Rams and Lakers. Although I, Hey, I like the Dodgers to succeed because the city is happy when they succeed. Right. Uh, the reason I had you on the show is I thought it would be fun to examine this moment through the lens of pain because I, this was a, a very difficult loss for me as i've said uh, previously on this show and as i've said on twitter for years i really don't like you know i've had people ask me as a sports fan what do you like to see do you like to see a close game do you like to see a buzzer beater like what is it I go, no, no, no. I want to see a 40-point blowout. I want to see excellence at a level where the other team <laughs> right. cannot compete. And it's fine if you're both playing so excellent and then there's a buzzer beater. But what I don't want is like, oh, you guys are both playing fine and it's back and forth. That doesn't mean anything to me. I don't want to see close games. I want to see blowouts. I want to see domination. So when uh, that postseason's Lakers started ripping through the playoffs I was like this is the best thing ever this is like my dream coming to life and then game one Iverson walks into Staples and beats them beats these monsters these animals these this absolute buzzsaw he beats them and it made me go oh my god what if they lose this and for however many days until game two even game three i was just living in fear that they were going to screw this up and i think that's a fun lens to examine this moment how did you feel when they lost game one when the lakers lost game one to the sixers it was shocking i i because they were they were a buzzsaw as you said they they were undefeated going into this in the playoffs you know, it it was it it was this was the first round was still a five game series, so it was like three o four o four o three sweeps, and then they go into the finals, and analysts were expecting them to sweep as well. You know, they they could have been the the team that goes un, that goes undefeated fifteen and zero. Uh, this ends up being their only loss, but yeah, they seemed like like oh they're mortal, oh they can lose, oh this team in Shaq's most dominant season, his MVP season. Uh, you could argue he probably should have won more than one, but he. But it, this was this was like when people talk about the this the the Lakers the Shaq Kobe Lakers. This is the particular team they pull out as like this is the right. historically great one. Yep. This two thousand two thousand one team and to to see them lose was yeah I was it was shocking. One one thing I remember from sports radio at the time, local sports radio was a guy had called in to whatever the equivalent of Mason and Ireland would have been back then mm. and was, and said that he, he was a Laker fan and he drove to Vegas and he sold his car to, uh, to take the money and bet it all on the Lakers to win game one. Oh and I like, this was before the game. I remember hearing this and thinking like, and then just later thinking like, what happened to that guy? <laughs> what was his life after that point? What a, what a horrible mistake he just made, oh. but it, but no one would have called it a mistake. I, the whisk got a big, uh, you know, it's, it's daring, it's bold, but no one would be like, you idiot. I actually probably <laughs> people would be like, you idiot. Really dumb thing to do. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I am not a I am not a gambling man myself. Uh, but were I to gamble, 
uh, this is a team that I would consider doing it because, as you said, three right. straight sweeps of legitimate teams with Shaq and Kobe at their peak. I mean, Derek Fisher shot 50, almost 52% from three-point range this entire playoffs. Not not like just one series. The entire playoffs. He was just on fire. Wow. That's with Shaq in the middle and Kobe at 20 years old sort of you know taking over games. I I just I thought for certain they were going to just rip through Philly and then for Iverson yeah. to come into Staples and steal it just made me it really rocked me foundationally and it truly it, it damn near ruined the rest of my finals experience because I then was like oh my god he, he they did win game one what if they do it again like I, I couldn't even enjoy it because yeah. the entire time I'm like what if he pulls off another a miracle there's also that that the most memorable thing of this playoff run is a Sixers moment. Yes. Like there, like that's kind of amazing that this was like, this was the best Shaq Kobe team. And still what sticks in people's minds is, is Iverson over Lou. That absolutely adds to the moment. That's a great call. We're going to get into our credentials. I do want to highlight just, just for a moment that on your show on Doughboys with your co-host, Mike Mitchell, he is a Boston diehard. And so whenever you say something pro Lakers, He gets after you whenever he says pro something pro Boston, you get after him. But on this show, it's just you saying things about the Lakers and me going, you're totally right. And then me saying something about the I Lakers and you going, I agree. It's great. Not really we don't good need to for be handing Colmes. <laughs> no, this is great. Uh, it's time to get through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge every moment. And then at the end, we'll decide whether this moment makes our first ballot Hall of Fame. The first category, the first credential is our analytics. These are the stats that may add to this moment's greatness. I'll list some stats. I want your reactions to all of them. Game one, Iverson played 52 minutes and 57 seconds. That's with overtime. Your regulation minute, yes. regulation 48 minutes. Overtime is five. Allen Iverson sat for three seconds. Unbelievable. And, and you know, also, like, this is the, this is a team you look down at their roster and, like, Mm-hmm. They just didn't have a. They they had, they had some good defensive defensive players, but they didn't have anything else offensively. Their their whole their whole team was relying on Iverson. He he played because he wanted to. He also played because he had to. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And by the by, those no, three amazing. seconds are at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> With three seconds left in the first <laughs> quarter, the ball like goes out of bounds. It's a dead ball. And um, they're like, we'll get Allen a bit more time in the, you know, time off with the um, TV timeout. Uh, so we'll sit him here. Those were, so he played second, third, fourth, all, all uh, through all three of those quarters. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, in the, in the playoffs, in the 2001 playoffs, Iverson averaged 46 minutes and 29 seconds per game. Uh, in the finals, he averaged more than that. He had 57, 47 minutes rather, and 48 seconds per game. And he wow. had to miss an Eastern Conference Finals game because he had an injured hip uh, and a loose tooth uh, from a Ray Allen elbow. So this guy uh, didn't just play a ton of minutes in game one. He had a bunch of miles on him from the regular season. He had a bunch of high-pressure miles on him from the rest of the playoffs. And he still had this 48-point uh, amazing game. He he is you know there's there's certain players that it feels like have, and I know we're talking analytics, so this this makes me think of like you know some people are I've heard some analytic arguments that are less favorable to to AI, uh, which I kind of dismiss partly yeah. because he is one of those guys that has the the just the utmost respect of every player, mm-hmm. like everyone who's actually played in the league is like that like Allen Iverson was unbelievable, hundred yeah. percent, yeah, and and it just sort of speak you know this this undersized guy who was injured just playing every minute he could physically possibly stay on the court just to give his team a fighting chance. You're exactly right. Listed listed at six foot, but he was really under six feet. Listed 165 pounds, which could in theory wow. make him exactly half the size of Shaquille O'Neal at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> 165 pounds. I weighed yeah. 165 pounds. I'm going to say in the fifth grade it's been a while for me yeah i haven't seen that 165 <laughs> on the scale since puberty 48 points I don't on think 40 I ever again 48 points on 41 shots five rebounds six assists five steals i mean he was all over this game this wasn't just a 
you know, great killer shot, this great moment at the end of the game. He was there the entire the entire contest. Uh, he yes, a- AI led the league in minutes, points, and steals, and won the MVP that season. Did I have the Shaq regular season MVP year wrong? Then was it was it two thousand? Shaq, Shaq was the year before. That's right. It was the year before. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. He he was he was unreal this season and the, this whole run. Uh, and then the Lakers. Talking about stats, the Lakers were on a 19 game win streak. They they won eight games yes. to finish the regular season, swept the Blazers, swept the Kings, swept the number one seed Spurs, won 11 playoff games by an average of 11 points per game. They were just smashing teams. At the time, the Lakers were the biggest Vegas favorite of. Any NBA finals ever at minus 2,000. If you don't understand betting terminology, wow. and why would you? That means you'd have to bet $2,000 to win 100 bucks. <laughs> That's insane. Why would you do that? And that guy sold his car to make that bet? He sold his car, yeah. <laughs> Boy, not a prudent investment. <laughs> Should have a... Uh... Should have just uh, uh, bought like a mutual fund or something. <laughs> get, an, get an index fund. Uh, it's a, uh, it's yeah. It, 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 if you want that kind of return, yeah, they were, they were, they were so good, and it was all, it was. Ba- I mean, like they had, they had a great, they had, they had a good supporting cast and a good bench, but I mean, it was all just Shaq and Kobe at the apex of their powers, or I guess Shaq at the apex of his powers and young Kobe, twenty four Kobe at the apex, or I'm sorry, uh, eight Kobe at the apex of his. Yes, uh, yeah. and and I also think robbing. Ultimately, if we're making the case for this moment to be in the Hall of Fame, robbing the Lakers of a perfect postseason, sure, that's a feather in its cap. If you think about it as a Laker fan, and I don't know about you, I presume that you feel this way as well, I think of the Lakers as like a luxury brand. They're like... um they're better than everyone else. The Lakers are the best. They're one of the best yeah. French sports franchises, period, in any sport that's ever existed, period. They went from losing to the Celtics all this time, and Dr. Jerry Buss completely turned them around, completely changed them, and now I think you can make a real case for them being one of the best franchises in any sport, in any uh, uh, time, era, period, and that is a jewel that could have rested in their crown, and Allen Iverson stole it. He stole it, and he took it. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, like you know, it it's since since the ABA NBA merger, just just an just that 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 Jerry Buss era is just an absolutely an, an dominant run in terms of how many times they've been in the finals or won the championship. You know, it, it, how many seasons has it been? They 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 uh, eleven titles in that run. Uh, is it thirteen finals? Yeah, I don't have the exact tally in front of me, but they they've been to it. That you know, you count counting the eighties. Uh, they, they lost to the Jordan Bulls, mm-hmm. um, lost to the weight, lost to the Pistons. So yeah, no fuck it. It's, it's, it's a lot. Sorry for cussing. It's, no, no, no. Uh, it, it, uh, that's a lot of finals. Might be 17, 18. Jesus. It's funny when you think about, you, like, you I think of that period, that span though. So many yes. years. When I think about like losers, I, you know, I grew up in that pocket where the Buffalo Bills were like awesome. They were like reinventing NFL mm-hmm. football. Their offense was, you know, no huddle Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, uh, Jim Kelly, the great right. defense, Bruce Smith, et cetera. And they were like dynamos. They were fantastic to watch. And then they lost four straight Super Bowls and were labeled yes. as like historic comedic losers. Like they are like the pictures of losers. And it's like Norwood's missed field goals, et cetera, et cetera. Like they were losers. And to me still, I see the Buffalo Bills franchise as like they're losers. And if you think about how many finals the Lakers lost to the Celtics at the time, there was a there was a raft of people. There was a time when everyone looked at the Lakers the same way I look at the Buffalo Bills. You were all losers. That's what you do. You lose. Right. You lose in an amazing way. And that's what you are. You're losers. And Jerry Buss flipped all of that around and made them what they are today, which is a premium brand. Uh, and, and I mean, honestly, it transcends sports. So it's it's really remarkable uh what they've done and how they've turned it around by the way this is about Allen iverson and we're just resting this whole thing and making it about the lakers but i think that speaks to that it is still a a a blemish that it is still something that lakers fans are like like ah man like you like 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 you could still you could have a season where you win 
15 out of 16 playoff games uh and and still like that's the one that sticks with you yes is the is the ah man that that guy iverson really got us there the, the i don't know if you watched if you remember the pistons lakers i think it was finals when isaiah was on that bum ankle and had you know 20 points in the quarter on that you know hobbling around on a bum ankle do you remember that I was like, I, I was very young, but yeah, I have, I have a memory of this. I remember watching that with the same sort of like, um, strangling fear of like, oh my God, like they cannot stop him. And like, as a kid, yes. you're like, it almost becomes like, he's so mean. Like, why won't he stop doing those? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, you become like right. a little kid version. You're like, God, that he's like. He's he's like he's being a jerk. Like what he's he just won't stop doing that. I had the same sort of feeling with Iverson watching game one where you just go, there's not much they can do to slow him down. Like he's kind of everywhere. He's doing everything. He's in the middle of the runs. He's stopping the Lakers runs. Like it was just there's not much you can do. You hopefully you can beat him, but it's not going to be because you stopped Allen Iverson. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it. it the, I think the think of the Lakers as a luxury brand is correct. I, I've said I've said I have a charmed life as a sports fan, being a fan of, and and honestly, to the point where it's like it's sometimes I I realize I I there's no choice but to embrace being obnoxious, <laughs> to embrace kind of being that like. I, I can be insufferable. I, That's right. When 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 LeBron came to the Lakers, I was yes. like, I get to be insufferable That's again, right? And get to you know talk about this this franchise just once again, just snagging the best player in the planet on in free agency. Um, it's uh, it's it's really. It, it, it it's a charmed life. It's just it's 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 on it's on easy mode, and uh, that's the part where like like I feel like any true suffering I've felt as a Lakers fan has been like, it, it's been so minimal in compared to the many many heights. Couldn't agree more. Uh, the next credential, the next category is the eye test. What is it that you see in this moment that adds to its greatness? Anything that you saw, Nick, in watching this clip? And if you haven't seen the clip, by the way, stop the podcast. Go to our Instagram at first ballot HOF. Nick, what did you see in this moment? It's look, it's both a p great piece of video, but also a great still. Yes. Because like he's got Iverson's also got the mean mug yes. when he steps over him. Yes. So it's so like like, you know, it's it's a uh, uh, th that combination of elements, I think, makes it particularly powerful. I love that. I love that as an idea. I completely agree with you. That's that's something to me about basketball that's really lovely is in full motion video it's incredible but it also gives you these singular stills that get burned into your head as much as anything else whereas i mean you can have those moments but with with football as well and with any sport but the way baseball is structured the way the football players are usually jammed up together you know tackling whatever the case might be i feel like you don't get as many like crystalline gorgeous singular images and you're right that that moment i know exactly what picture you're talking about as you talk about the iverson step over i've seen it a hundred times i have it saved on my computer uh it's going to be on the instagram it is the image that lasts and that's a unique addition to this to this moment um yeah. i the, the the thing that i saw i think you can actually even hear it which will dovetail with our next category mark madsen if you watch the play again Mark Madsen is one of the Lakers standing on the bench. Uh, Iverson pulls this crossover in the shot right in front of the Lakers bench. Madsen is standing right behind Allen Iverson, and he's very clearly yelling to distract Allen Iverson. And I'm pretty sure you can also hear it on the game tape. Uh, Madsen was a great character in that run. Just a not not real not a real no real poker face on Madsen, <laughs> um, but. Uh, I remember him dancing at the parade. That was the big thing. Him, yes. he, he went up and he 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 spoke Spanish because I guess he he speaks fluent Spanish from being a missionary and uh, and then he uh, or from studying in college. I think he was a missionary though. Uh, and then he uh, and then he goes up and and yeah, he I just remember him dancing really awkwardly at the parade. And then they had him do it the next season and it didn't have the same magic. Uh, Matt, I I love Madsen screaming because again, it's like this childlike 
urge that just comes firing out of you to like do whatever you can yes. to affect the game. I, it makes me feel like he really wanted to win it because he was willing to do something that I would presume, I don't know the unwritten rules of the NBA, but like that seems a little like, um, you know, unprofessional to be like yelling as loud as you can right behind uh, another NBA player who's trying to <laughs> to make a shot, but he is screaming. There's a great picture of him just mouth, just full throated, just yelling yes. gutturally. Uh, and again, I'm pretty sure it's on the game tape, which I think is is fascinating. If you if you listen close, I think you can hear it. Um, the next category is the the ear test. What is it that you hear in this moment that that adds to its greatness? Marv Albert. If I may pitch to you, Marv yes. Albert doesn't. Marv Albert doesn't just see the step over; he calls it. He says, "Steps over Teron Lou." Yeah, it's the, it feels like to me it's the type of thing at the time. Now it's like every camera for for the for the game broadcast, every camera on every phone in the arena is like literally hunting for memes. They're like hunting for online content. But at the time, it's the type of thing where maybe if Marv Albert doesn't call that out. Maybe it's not a moment that everyone remembers. Maybe it's just something that plays in the background and they don't replay the close-up because no one spotted it, no one noticed it, and maybe it just drifts off into the ether and doesn't become this moment. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And and I think uh yeah, I, I think that absolutely, you know, everyone would have been watching this the uh, watching this at NBC at the era. I think that absolutely is part of why it 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 crystallized for everyone that that's also just rewatching the clip is making me go back to the eye test and a big part of it. And you're, you're talking about this with Madsen yelling is that he's right in front of the Lakers bench. Yes. Like he's doing this just, just like, like, you know, right in Ty Lue's face, but this just was just with all the Lakers and Phil Jackson huddled behind him. I mean, that makes it even more, uh, just more of a dynamic moment. He's, he's, he's in, and then speaking specifically about those images, he's in the Philly road black uniforms, and he's awash in that Laker yellow, that Laker gold. Right in the images, it's just it's a it's something where the visual, the contrast between those is just on full display in both the video and the still images, and just makes for an, an elegant sort of display. Back when home jerseys used to mean something, that's my yes. cranky NBA fan. <laughs> do you really NBA fan take do you, now? Do you feel that though? Because I do. Is that something I you, do? Or, yes, or you, I, I do. do too. No, I, I I want there to be home and road jerseys. Yes. I don't like these all these different you know looks that they keep alternating that are, have no connection to where they're playing the game. God damn it! And they're so most for the most part, at least in my opinion, for the most part, the jerseys are so bad. I just I they, like I'll truly there is a special place in hell for the person that made LeBron James wear a t-shirt uniform when the Cavs came back and beat the oh, Warriors man. after three. Game seven, he's in that goofy-ass t-shirt uniform. My images of him hugging Kevin Love and are him in that absurd black uniform with a giant maroon C <laughs> in the middle. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know, a few, fewer jersey alts and more consistency to where they're being worn. Another thing I saw on the eye test, Iverson's wearing my favorite of his sneakers. It's the answer for nickname, the step over. If mm. you watch the clip again and watch the close up, the shoe has a black toe. It looks heavily weighted towards the front of his foot as call me crazy. I think someone's going to go. I completely understand what you're saying. And I agree with you, Neil. That's great. And then they're going to love the show and continue listening to it. Because of this thought, as he steps over Lou, and he's clearly putting some emphasis into his steps, but because of that shoe in particular, to me, it looks like his foot is weighted. It, when he steps down, I feel like there's a palpable, mm. there's a sound, there's a weight to the step because of that shoe, because his foot looks weighted in those sneakers. I feel like right. the impact on his step is greater, and that adds to this moment as well. Wow. Good point. <laughs> I don't know if it's only, a good point, but I'm willing to make it. If only you could hear the impact as well. Yes. To fit this category. Um, 
The next category is you mad. Did this moment piss anybody off? I like it when people are angry about things. I think that a hundred percent, I think we need sports hate. So I like it when people are mad. Was anyone mad about this moment? The only person that's ever said they don't like this moment is Allen Iverson. Why? Interesting. Because he loves Ty Lue. Listen to this from the up and smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Listen to this. What do you think about that, that you particular know, play? You know what's so crazy? I don't like it. Really? Because I love him. I was about to say, that's his boy. You know what I mean? Like, Why do you think T. Lou had braids? Because of Chuck. I believe it. Yeah, and he was giving me, he was giving me so many problems, man. Like, he was a, he was a dog. He was, he was a harassing ball. He was a straight dog. Mm-hmm. I love it whenever... That rules. It rules. I love it when two, two men two competitors have the comfort and guts to go. I love that guy. I respect that guy. And and then you heard um, stack Jack mention Ty Lue had the braids in his hair because he loved Iverson at the time. He looked up to right. Iverson. So I, I just love that there was an open respect there. And even though it's a moment that we all have taken and used as like, here's the ultimate sign of disrespect. I'm stepping over you. I'm going to send you this gift. I'm going to send you this meme. That's not how those two gentlemen see this. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing reframing. Ty Lue told Howard Beck, Iverson making it to the finals really saved my career. Without Iverson, there probably wouldn't be me. Now, when I read that quote, I was like, well, what does he mean? And, of course, he went on. Mm-hmm. Howard Beck, great reporter, asked about it. Ty Lue said, if Milwaukee would have beat Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals, I wouldn't have played in the NBA Finals. So that could have possibly been my last year in the NBA, and people don't understand that. And that's true. His contract was up. That's amazing. If Iverson doesn't play, Ty Lue probably never gets off the bench. He was legitimately the last person added to the Lakers playoff roster. He gets thrown into this game because Iverson goes nuts in the first two and a half quarters. And that ends up getting... Ty Lue paid, which is amazing. And Allen Iverson goes on to mention that anti Lue in his Hall of Fame speech. Listen to this. Saran Lue. Uh, I remember I remember after that series, um, he had got he went to Washington and uh got paid. Um and I said, um, only reason you got that little five million a year is for running around after me. And the man looked at me and said what I would have said. Thank you. <laughs> it's, these guys love each other. Doesn't that, that like, like this feels like the, the, this is making this the, the same case as well of, of just like this, that, that in his own Hall of Fame speech. Yes. Like he's talking about this moment. Yes. That's the, the, a Hall of Famer's moment in his Hall of Fame speech. Seems like that's particularly noteworthy. I com- completely agree. In his act, in a real Hall of Fame, we're yeah. debating whether this is going to make our fake Hall of Fame. It made his, <laughs> it made his real Hall of Fame. It, it's, it's just an. It's. I love that he's so open. I love that Iverson's so open, and I love that Ty Lue has never ducked or shied away from this moment. He doesn't take any offense to it he you know he there was a picture of him posing with a guy who's wearing the iverson over loose shirt he just doesn't care it's like it's part of who he is he's completely fine with it and to me that makes this this moment even uh, more fun to watch because there's no hurt feelings well that he also had a like like i think part of what the this moment i know this is this is quite a little outside the purview of the you mad category but it but like in terms of like anchoring this historically that AI obviously because he's AI has remained in the collective consciousness, but that that Lou had like you know a nice yes. career and is now maybe the best coach in the league. Right. I mean, he's just he's he's going to be a fixture in the NBA co- coaching circuit for the foreseeable future. Uh, I, I I think I think the fact that Ty Lou is still a, a figure speaks to the moment's permanence. Yeah, you 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 could make the argument that up until him winning the title with the Cavs as the coach that that was also the high water moment of his career. Um, you know, and, and, and part of the reason why the step over is held in esteem is because Tyloo did do a great job on Iverson in game one. So it's, right. it's, it's, it was truly the high water mark for, for, for both men 
uh, for a good long while, which is impressive. Uh, before we move on to the next category, Nick, can I ask you a bit about your podcasting career? Sure. It started with Doughboys, correct? That's right. And you've been doing that for, for how long now? Since 2015. How many episodes? It's over 300. I've lost I've Amazing. lost precise count. We've, and, we've done a, we've done too many. And that you now do that for the Headgum Podcast Network. You also have a successful That's Patreon. Right. You're also touring uh, and doing live shows. This it's 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 amazing. It's it's a new medium that lots of people have thrown their hats into. You have found out a way to not only carve out space for yourself and your co-host Mike, but you've also made a great show. I feel like it's just a job to you, and so you do it. But I want to take a moment and help you realize that what you've done is very impressive what the two of you have done is very impressive and you should be proud of that i presume that you are god bless you yes uh, th- thank you for saying that i mean like it's it's yeah hey uh, uh me and mitch are uh kind of having ai tyloo dynamic at times <laughs> of just adversaries but but mutual respect is what anchors it so i think that's that's a big part of it is most of your work now Again, you've been a very successful TV writer, a, a, a second very impressive career that you you have. Uh, is most of your work now podcast stuff? How much podcasting stuff versus how much TV stuff? And certainly since, you know, I've, I've had some jobs here and there, but certainly since quarantine, mm. since things locked down in March of 2020, when I was actually on tour with the Doughboys when that happened, I, I was, I, I've mentioned on the podcast, our podcast before, that I was, we were in Denver, Colorado, about to do a live show in front of a a sold out crowd, uh, when we got the news backstage that Rudy Gobert had COVID mm. and the NBA canceled its season. Mm. So that was the same night we went out and did a <laughs> in a, front of a, hundreds a of review to breathing animals. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Sweaty, breathing, thankfully not laughing. People, um, it was a. Uh, it was really, uh, yeah, it was it was really tense in hindsight. Uh, but yeah, since then I've been bo- basically mostly podcasting. The the work you guys put into it uh, and and your performances on on the shows are should be lauded, and you deserve the success that you guys have from it. I think it's fantastic. Next credential, the X Factor. What is the unknown, untouchable, unintangible uh, uh, thing that adds to this moment? I'd like to pitch you another one. The step over transcended sports and moved into pop culture in a way most sure. NBA moments have not. Yeah. The idea of stepping over someone as a sign of disrespect. I mean, I think that that has a lot of uh, it, whatever, I guess it's inherently disrespectful, but I think it a lot of it comes from this, or I guess earlier you could tell that the Pippin dunk was another one where that was a, the, that was a big part of it, but that was an earlier generation. I'm no, I'm no rap music expert. I'm no rap aficionado. Obviously, tons of rappers have name-dropped AI, but lots of rappers and rap songs also mention this particular moment, which I think is fascinating. Now, most of them are unknown. Let me play you one. To steal shine would be my strong move. Got the answers to step over these. Tyrone lose. Most of them aren't particularly great. This ain't out the blue. This is Cherry Mountain Dew. Ooh, you're like Tyrone Blue in 2002. I mean, he even got the year wrong. Uh, 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 other, uh, <laughs> and I don't know why Mountain Dew. What's he talking about? Anyways, uh, so, some of them are violent. Cause he got a dodge too. Stepping right over the body, treating you just like the rock. There are even Spanish rap songs that mention this. <laughs> And, f- and French rap songs. I think what's important to mention is that people use this moment to express themselves. And I think that's that's fascinating. It matters. That's, that's the idea behind this podcast. We're talking about the sports moments that actually matter. And this is one of them. And in... Seeing it spread out into music and pop culture, I just think is fascinating. 
You don't need to know anything about basketball. You don't even need to know these guys' names to understand what's happening here. A guy makes a shot That's and then right. steps over the guy who is defending him. I mean, Great like point. like you get all the context just from that. It's it's like a, it, could be, it could be a silent movie. You get it from just yes. watching what's going on. Um, that's a great point. Um, Tyler Lockett, the from from the Seattle Seahawks, also caught a touchdown. And since the NFL sort of tried to loosen up their their end zone celebrations, he did one. He did the Iverson step over. And look at him. He and then he breaks the ankles. Wait, it's the Allen Iverson in the <laughs> he finals. He does. He does exactly. What, and then stepped over him. He stepped over Tyron Lue. Poor Tyron. Tough that's year. A shame. Um, so NFL games, rap songs, T-shirts, you know, bobbleheads. It's like this This moment really matters. And um, there aren't there aren't many there aren't many like it in the NBA where it's not just a great singular moment in play and feat of athleticism, but it's also that attitude and that energy afterwards. The combination of those two um, is near unrivaled in, in, in sports moments. There's a there's a clip of of Allen Iverson in a meet and greet with a young kid who had to have been born after this moment, uh, just time wise, and and the kid asks Iverson to step over him, and of they they, he does. they snap a they do a photo op of perfect it. bright kid yeah great idea yeah the next credential is the voting committee these are friends of the podcast mm. people the family of the podcast this is the first ballot family. We reached out to the voting committee to say, do you think this should make it into the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? And we got an answer from Corey Towns. He's a DJ. He's a creative. He's a proud representative of Southwest Philadelphia. Here's what he had to say. What's going on, everybody? My name is Corey Towns. The step over should be a first ballot Hall of Fame moment. First and foremost, we were not supposed to be there. Uh, and by we, I mean the Philadelphia 76ers, the Philadelphia native. You know, it was a classic David versus Goliath matchup. The Sixers going up against Rick Fox's hair. But we, somehow we still made it. You know, the fact of the matter is that we had a roster that had Rodney Buford and Pepe Sanchez on it. Ugh. And we made it to go up against Shaq and Kobe. Everybody <laughs> wants to have this thing of, oh, you know, we lost the series. You know, obviously we didn't win the chip. But that first game, we took it. We bust a ass and it culminated in a moment. <laughs> That was his greatest achievement up until he became a coach, and that's why it's the first ballot. Got him coach Hall of Fame moment. What do you think, wow. Nick? Well said. Great to hear the Sixers fans' perspective. I love, I love the idea that to lift Allen Iverson up, you're willing to tear your own team down by name dropping Pepe. Bust Sanchez. your own roster, but I get <laughs> <Yes>. it. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Is, how did it. we drag Rodney Buford into this thing? Corey Towns, thanks so much for submitting that. It's time for the cosign, Nick. The cosign is yeah. you, Nick Weiger, telling me whether you believe the Allen Iverson over Tyron Lue, the step over, whether you believe that moment should make the first belt Hall of Fame and why you believe it should or should not. Oh, I 100% think it belongs in there. And it, it's, I, I think it's just undeniable how what a memorable image it is, what a memorable moment it was, uh, the significance it has for uh, the guy doing it and for the the uh, the guy it was done to. Uh, you know, it, I, I think the fact that it informed both of their legacies and continues to be in the zeitgeist. I mean, how many sports moments from 20 years ago does everyone right. still have an understanding of? Does everyone still like, like, oh, remember Alan Iverson stepping point. over Ty Lue? Like, it's just, you know, what other moments do you even remember from that that year in sports? Um, and I, I, I think just the fact that it, it that it is such a, it, it, and also it was in the finals. Right. I mean, I think that speaks to it too. It's, it's just this was on the this is the the brightest stage, stage. That's right. Biggest stakes. Um, and. And at a time, one of the one of the best players in the game, and a historically great player, and a historically unique player, a historically unique player doing a historically unique thing that seems to fit his character, both in terms of his utter dominance and his attitude, and just having uh, more fight in this dog than anyone else, maybe ever. I I I, I don't I don't think there's much. I think you're right. I think you I think you sum that up perfectly. 
it is time for my induction speech. I could, as the host of this show, choose to dismiss everything that you just said. I could throw it in the garbage. <laughs> I could put you in your position as just sheerly right. the guest on this show. You do not have control. I have the control, Nick. That said, I think you nailed it. I think you summed it up perfectly. I don't think there's much to talk about. I think this moment, the Allen Iverson step over, I think it's the peak of Allen Iverson's career. I think it is the literally the top of the mountain. And I, I don't think you get that with most athletes in their careers. I think, I mean, I think Allen Iverson had a number of seasons afterwards that were certainly worthwhile and great. But to me, the needle peaks right here. It peaks on this moment. And yeah. Allen Iverson's career is important. It's it, He wasn't just a basketball player. He mattered to a lot of people in this country. He made a lot of people feel comfortable. A lot of people saw themselves in him. He resonated with people. And for this moment to be the lasting image of not just a Hall of Fame player or a top 75 guy, but one of the most influential players of the entire league ever, period, puts this in the first ballot Hall of Fame, period. Allen Iverson, the step over, Tyron Lue, welcome to the first ballot Hall of Fame. You made it. Big giant picture on the wall. Big plaque. It's a big fucking deal. This isn't this isn't a, some podcast from talking about fast food. This is the fucking first Bell Hall of Fame. Do you hear what I'm saying, Nick? Yeah, this is real stuff. This, this is, is that, that's real a really stuff. good point that this is this might be the absolute peak because we're talking about a 48 point game in the finals, in the NBA finals, and then just like like and then he also has this amazing shot. Um, and this amazing, you know, enduring meme of a moment in the aftermath. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. It may be the absolute the tippy top of the mountain. Nick, thanks so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. It was fun to to go through this and remember this moment with you as a Laker fan. What do you have to plug? How can people follow you? We've already mentioned the shows, but please feel free to mention them again. They're great. I'll uh, yeah, check out check out Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. Me and Mike Mitchell. Uh, Neil's been on an episode. We talked about uh, checkers and rallies back in the day. Uh, and then also check out Get Played, uh, which is uh, me and uh, Heather Ann Campbell and Matt Apodaca, as I mentioned earlier. And, yeah, we talk about video games. So you get, get both those wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Nick. Listen to his show. Support the guy. He's He's great. He's super funny. He's a great host. Nick, thanks so much again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. That's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening to First Ballot. Please rate and review the show or tell a friend about us. I would appreciate it. Special thanks to Nick Weiger for not only being on the show, but for answering all my questions about how you actually start a podcast. He's a fantastic host and writer and a better man. Thanks to my editor, Robert Rucci, and to my producer, Jessica Sang. Rhythm J makes all the music on the show. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. And come back next week for an all-new First Ballot. Thanks for listening. Thank you.